Hey, are you ready to move your life? I mean, really move it? It's time to turn up the dial on your energy, your health, your sport performance, your happiness, and your relationships. If you want to live with more freedom, more adventure, more passion, more fun, and more success, if you're ready to get your brain in the game and achieve the most out of every area of your life, then it's time to move to live and live to move with your host, Jill Summers. Hello, you made it. You're here. You're in the right place if you're ready to dial up your life. This is Jill with Jill M. Summers Performance Coaching coming to you from Boulder, Colorado. And I'm here with Kim Taylor for the podcast series called Not in Kansas Anymore, Kim Taylor's Journey to Ironman, Arizona. Today, we're going to review where, where Kim is. Last week, we discussed that she is juggling the real-life Things such as caring for her mother, who unfortunately had a fall and is now in skilled nursing. We'll talk with Kim about where uh, all of that is, where she is, is in her training, how she feels physically, how she's managing the mental stress of getting closer and closer to the race, uh, along with another, a couple of other really great life insights. So welcome back, Kim. So good to have you here. Hello. Hello. Good to be here. <laughs> so Kim, bring us up to speed with how your mom is doing and how you're managing all of that with the Ironman training. Well, my mom is doing better. She's out of the hospital. She's been moved to skilled nursing and um, is you know getting daily rehab. She's... She's better, but she's not real compliant, which is a little frustrating to me. She's not super willing to do a lot to help herself, which is kind of an ongoing pattern. But she's actually physically and, and medically doing better than she was last week, which is good. Um, it's still taking some time away from my day because I'm having to go over and manage and be part of care planning meetings and, and do some things there. But things have stabilized a little bit. So this brings up a really interesting and common point for a lot of adults, um, men and women, but I'm going to speak more to, to the women who are at that time in their life where they might still be caring for children. And then they're also caring for aging parents and they're still stuck in this abyss of, but wait, what about me? when do I get to do the things that I want to do in life? And when do I get to go for the life that I'm really excited to begin living? And I'm curious how you're managing uh, sort of the boundaries around how much you do for your parents and how much you're doing for your mom right now. Can you tell us more about that? And perhaps this will be really helpful for our listeners. Well, I would say the first thing is I kind of try to prioritize how important it is, what it is that they're needing in the moment. And most of the time it's not urgent and it can be done when it's more suitable for my time frame, so that I can get my priorities done and help them. It's not a drop everything that I'm doing and rush over and help them in the moment, which is what I would used to do. And then well, isn't I, that really selfish? I mean, that's so selfish of you to do it that way. I used to think that, and a lot of people do think that, 
but it's not that I'm not helping them or that I'm completely ignoring them or, or whatever. I'm just uh, doing the things that I need to do before I help them. And in a way that actually benefits them because then I'm in a much better place and I'm much more able to be kind and patient and compassionate with them and not angry and bitter and yelling because I'm frustrated that they're taking away from my day. And uh, so that's what I've learned there that the, the more I take care of myself, the better I am able to be with them from a, a better place and not go off the handle and be short with them, which I used to do a lot. And then I would come home and feel guilty about it. So that would add to it. Uh, but, you know, and I, and I balance that when it's, when it's emergent, like the day that she really needed to go to the ER, I, I did, I went, you know, then and dealt with it and still managed to get my, my priorities in. But then there's times where I, I basically in the, in medical world, we use the term triage. So basically I triage what their needs are and I, I put them into my life as I can get them in. And um, when it's not urgent, I don't let it disrupt my routine. I do it when I can do it. And I've made that clear to them that, you know, I'll help you, but it needs to be on my timetable and when I can come and when I'm available. And these are the times that I'm available. And they've gotten a lot better about knowing that and not calling, expecting me to drop everything that I'm doing and run over there uh, for things that aren't emergent. Uh, And so they've learned. So, Really, as I've set boundaries, they're learning too, and they ask less than they used to because they know that this is how I'm going to respond. How do you think Ironman training has affected your ability to set those boundaries? Well, it's really helped it because I'm almost, I'm forced to set those boundaries because I don't I I have so much less time and I'm so much more tired that it kind of forces me to do that because you just can't do it all and as I'm, you know, learning how committed I am to this, it definitely has taught me that having my priorities in life have allowed me to, to be a little bit better at setting boundaries and staying committed to whatever that priority is. Yeah. One of the things that we've done before in our other calls is we've said, you know, how would that behavior have been different or similar three years ago? So I'm going to ask that question now. Compare your response and reaction to your parents' needs now with how you would have responded three years ago. Well, three years ago, I would have put my life on hold to do whatever it was that was needed. Three years ago, I was working in a job that I would have been able to afford to pay for some services that they probably need that I can't afford to pay for now. Three years ago, I would have spent the money on them and I would have spent the time on them and uh, I would have been a lot more short with them (laughs) because I would have resented doing it, but I would have felt obligated to do it. So now I feel a little bit better about what I am doing for them and I feel good about, you know, taking care of myself as well. So there's definitely been a shift there. And for a long time, my, my life was on hold really as my role, my life is defined by my role as caretaker for my parents. And now my life is defined by my role as caretaker for me. And I deal with them how I can, when it fits into that. That's an amazing lesson to hear. And what a great role model for so many of us who are living different roles, you know, whether we're caretakers for our kids or our spouses or our parents or whoever that might be. There's so, it's so important to take care of yourself first and to let go of those guilty uh, 
uh, gremlins who like to make us feel like we're being selfish for caring for ourselves. How have you been able to put those gremlins to the road, to the curb? Well, I just have to remind myself <laughs> frequently, uh, you know, the, why I'm doing it and the benefit of it. And not only for me, but, you know, I, would, I just spent a couple hours with my mom today. And the interaction with my mom was so much more on a mom to daughter and kind level than the, oh my gosh, I resent you so much right now for making me come do this when I don't really have time and I'm tired and I'm short, short with her. And, you know, so it benefits both of us that way. And so I just basically have to remind myself of that uh, when things come up and they do frequently come up. My parents, I'm definitely their caretaker. Uh, so it's a, it's a constant reminder that I have to tell myself. Yeah. There's a great phrase that I learned a little while back and this is, I'm sharing this with, with you, Kim and the listeners. So in case it might be helpful for you, if you find yourself caught in that dynamic of, you know, who am I to live the life I want to live and not get caught up or wrapped up in having to care for parents. And I'm not saying that we're not going to care for them because uh, certainly that is an incredibly incredible gift and and a valuable commodity to be able to do that. And what I have found in so many situations is that too many people are losing themselves in the process of that. And I just want to invite you to imagine that it is possible to have both, both your life and be able to care for those who are in need. But there's a phrase when it comes to caring for your parents and, and cutting that umbilical cord, if you will. And the phrase is, thank you for the life you have given me. And now I take my life back and I create it, direct it in the way that I want it to be. And I still love you. So it's this process of gratitude for what they have done, what they've given to you, how they have raised and nurtured you, and also this um, loving separation between self and parents. Yeah, I think... And you asked me how I would respond three years ago. Well, I saw myself as the caretaker for my parents as one of my predominant roles and part of who I was and not knowing who I was. That was my definition. If you said, who are you? I said, well, I work and I take care of my parents and, you know, my brother who um, needs some assistance sometimes. I wouldn't have an answer for who I really was because I never really looked at it that way. So now as I operate out of someone who's more self-focused, it's not selfish. It's just self-focused and know who I am. Um, Caretaker for my parents is still part of that, but it's not the central part of it as, as it used to be. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. And that did not come without effort. No, it's been a it's been an ongoing thing for quite a long time to kind of separate that out, separate from my parents. Not only as my role of really not only as my role as I'm caretaker for my parents, but also the defined role of who I was in their shadow. 
um, you know, I am their daughter and this is who they are and that therefore this is who I am and separating myself from that as well. Like creating a new persona based on who I really am and not who I thought I was based on my, my upbringing and my genetics and everything else. So. Yeah. Kim, you mentioned that you don't want to be defined by your genetics. Tell us more. What does that mean to you? Well, for a long time, I mean, both of my parents, in fact, really just about everyone on both sides of my family are overweight, they're unhealthy, you know, high blood pressure, lipids, they're on a lot of medications. And, you know, for the longest time, I thought that was kind of my destiny because I have been belt some pretty dad, bad health genes in that regard. And, you know, I've struggled with my weight my entire life, just like everybody else in my family and just thought, well, that's who we are. And that's who, it's, that's what I'm going to have to deal with. And I've put a lot of work and effort into changing that. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of studies out there that basically show that you aren't your genetics and that really only about 10% of who you are is, is set in stone with what your genetics really are. And 90% of it you can change based on lifestyle and other things. And so I've really worked hard at changing my genetic outlook and, and my health outlook based on lifestyle factors and try to evolve out of what my parents have lived because, you know, especially I look at my mom in the skilled nursing center and think there's just no way I want to end up like this. This is miserable. And it goes back into why I'm doing Ironman to stay and do triathlons to be fit and be active and, and kind of escape that genetic pattern, which if I were to live the standard lifestyle of most people, I would end up as, but, uh, you know, right now I'm 47 and I don't have diabetes and I don't have high lipids and I don't have high blood pressure. And, you know, I'm still overweight, but I'm really only a little over 30% body fat at this point. So even though my, my weight is high on the scale, I'm, I'm fairly healthy in that regard. And, and that pretty much goes against everything that my genetics from my parents would suggest. And that's because of my effort to avoid it. And it, it shows that really it is possible to avoid it uh, if, you, if you really want to. You're not defined by your genetics. That's such an amazing story. You know, really, congratulations on being able to accomplish that. That's humongous to be able to break the chains from those old stories. And like you say, only 10% of that is locked in by genetics. And if that's the case, then where is the other 90% of possibility? And that's what you've been tapping into. You've been yeah. making that happen. You've said, thank you for my life. Thank you for my 10% of genetics. Thank you for what you've taught me. And now I'm going to go out and I'm going to affect the 90% that I have control over, which is so freaking amazing and exciting. Yeah. And most people think they have very little control over their genetics, but really you have control over about 90% of it because you can absolutely control how your genes are expressed. And there's a whole science study of this area called epigenetics or above your genes, basically it, it's, you may have these genes, but you can alter how they're expressed to have a favorable health outcome. And, and you're not, you're completely not defined by that. Yeah. So it's an evolving area and I'm living proof that you are not defined by genetics. Cause if, if I were defined by my genetics, I would be diabetic, hypertensive, and have high lipids and be on about 10 medications at this point in my life at 47. And I'm, I'm healthier than I've ever been. 
and when I go and I, I see my mom, it's, it's just a constant reminder to stay diligent, diligent about it and to keep on the path because, um, you know, I certainly don't want to end up like that. I want to have a better yeah. life than that. So, and when I'm 70 some, I want to still be out hiking and doing things and not laying in a skilled nursing unit um, in chronic pain. Or if you are, it's because of an injury you got from hiking and doing something fun. And you say, bring on the PT because I'm ready to get well and I'm ready to get back out there. Yeah. Kim, you talked about one of the messages, internal messages you're getting from seeing your mom being cared for is to stay diligent with your own health and your own wellness. What message would you like the listeners to get from your experience? What is it that would, if you got a reply from one of the listeners that said blank, and it totally lit you up and you're like, oh my gosh, I am so glad my message hit somebody. What would that message be? I think the biggest message would be hope, like to have hope and not feel confined or trapped by what you thought your limitations were in terms of, you know, this is my genetics and this is the hand I was dealt and I just have to deal with it. People that even have chronic illness or, or, you know, even things like MS and whatever, there is hope that you can alter that course. Uh, and really, it's just up to you. It's completely in your control. And it's just a matter of making some changes, but ultimately to have hope that, that there is hope that you can change and that you're not destined to any kind of predetermined path. Uh, when you look at your genetics and your family and who you were and who you've even been in the past. You know, every day's a new day and there's always hope that something can change. Yeah. That's so impactful. It reminds me of the grasshoppers. The story of the grasshoppers in the aquarium. They would jump. Uh, scientists got some uh, a bunch of grasshoppers together and put them in an aquarium because they wanted to do some studies on them. And they forgot to put the lid on the top. And they walked away and they came back and all the grasshoppers were jumping out. They had figured out how high they could jump to get out of the aquarium and a whole bunch of the other grasshoppers were following them. And so the scientists put a lid on the top. It's like a screen lid. So, of course, they still had plenty of oxygen. And the grasshoppers would jump back up and they would hit their head on the screen lid. And they would do that two, three, four times before they figured out just exactly how high they could jump before hitting the screen. And they, it was very interesting. The scientists, this was not what they were studying in the first place, but now it became very intriguing to just watch how the grasshoppers were able to determine just how high they could jump without hitting their heads on the screen. So now they were jumping high enough to miss the screen by about a half an inch, and then they would drop back down and then jump back up about a half an inch lower than the screen and drop back down. This went on for a day or so. So then the scientists decided, well, let's see what happens if we take the screen off. And they were expecting that they would come back into the room, and of course the grasshoppers would have jumped out over the top of the aquarium and would be all over the, the lab. So they, they let, let's see what happens. They took the lid off. Well, the exact opposite happened. 
the grasshoppers were so conditioned at this point, and it did not take very long, that they still only jumped to about a half an inch before where they thought the screen lid was, and they would drop back down. Not one grasshopper jumped out. So we get conditioned by the ceilings that we put on our lives. And then once the ceilings are removed, we've been so conditioned that we don't even push the limits anymore. And you, my lovely Kim Taylor, have pushed the limits. The lid was taken off, and you're like, get me the fuck out of here. I'm going to see what's on the other side of this aquarium so I can live my life so damn big that I'm taking it back into my hands. I'm, I'm going to control that 90%. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a, a slow evolution, but I am definitely have jumped out of the aquarium at this point. Yeah. There was a time uh, when we were working together a couple of years ago that we discovered there were a couple different parts of you going on, not in like a schizophrenic kind of way where we gave, well, we did give each part a name. So what am I saying? But you know, it wasn't quite, quite as clinically schizophrenic as that sounds, but we all have different voices that are, are taking shape in our minds and different personalities that come up in certain circumstances. I always like to think of, people being like a, a rough cut diamond. You can look at it ourselves from one angle and you'll see what certain part of our personality and then you turn the diamond to the other angle and you see a different part of our personality and different circumstances and events and people will help shine the light on each little facet that helps to bring out that part of our personality. But at that time, you and I created or got really clear on two distinct parts of yourself. Would you be willing to share those with our listeners today? Sure. It, I, when you talk about it, it, people can kind of say, oh, it sounds a little crazy, but um, yeah, I, I call kind of one my alter ego, I guess. I don't know, but uh, I have a personality that was kind of had been dominant for a really long time that was negative and self-bashing and somewhat protective uh, from being hurt. And so uh, we, we labeled her LL and that stands for, I, I, it's been so long ago, but it had something to do with being lazy, <laughs> lazy Lou. I think lazy was, Lou. Cause I used to, I used to really hammer myself that I'm just lazy. And, and, you know, that was one of the really common stories I would tell myself was how lazy I was. And so we named her after, after lazy being lazy. And, that's kind of my, what used to be my dominant personality, very negative and self towards self and uh, stoic and kind of the one that built the walls and, and really didn't let anything in. And, and then the other one that we kind of have drawn out over the last three or four years, which has now become the dominant personality, but before it was kind of completely buried uh, was we, we, we called her EB for, I think it was electric blue, I think. Yeah. It's a lung, but uh, blue is my, my favorite color, and it kind of signifies more positive for me, and so we went with that. And so I've kind of got these two dominant personalities, and, and it's really been a big flip-flop as to which one is mostly dominant. And, you know, LL will still rear her head, and and. It, it's it's helpful for me to recognize patterns really is what it is. I mean, it's when the old negative thought patterns creep in. Uh, 
it, it, it's a way for me to, to recognize that and okay, there goes my alternate personality again. Here comes my negative personality, LL, you can you know, go away. Uh, I'm not gonna deal with that today. And so, and it may not be for everybody to do that, but it was really helpful for me to define the different personalities so that I can recognize what was going on and have a name for it. Uh, so that's what I've done. And, and I kind of have two main dominant personalities that flip back and forth. And really it's about recognizing them. And I, I heard you say that you've been able to flip who is dominant and you're now more in EB. EB is more um, prominent, hangs out with you a lot more, kind of runs the show. How did you make that shift? What would you, if you could tell us like three major techniques you used over the years to be more predominantly in the EB role, that would be helpful. I think it's like a lot of things that really getting good at something comes with practice. <laughs> and so I think the biggest thing that's helped that shift is just practicing, making that shift. And so for a long time when Ella was dominant, I would practice, okay, I'm, I'm, I would be intentful about, okay, I'm going to switch into EB and I'm really going to try to be positive here. And it wouldn't last very long. And then things would flip back to my normal default and, but every time I would do that, it was a little easier and it would last a little longer. And so just over time, it's evolved to where it's become a more dominant thing. It wasn't an overnight shift. So I think the biggest thing is just practice like anything else. If you want to get good at playing a piano, you have to practice every day. And then being patient with it is the other thing that was helpful because I would say, oh, you know, I can't ever get out of this. And I would get into EP and then I would switch back to my old personality and then I'd be frustrated that, okay, I'm not changing. So being patient with, I am changing. It's just slow and be patient with it. So practice and patience, I think are the two biggest and persistence, you know, consistency and being persistent about it, not giving up when it doesn't seem to be uh, moving forward like you'd like it to be, I guess. But I mean, those are the three things that really get you better at doing anything. It's not just, shifting your personality it's anything it's, it's biking it's swimming it's running it's piano it's whatever yeah so we talked out at, during one of our uh, episodes about um, the importance of repetition 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 and how that builds new neural networks and then the the cool thing is that the more neural networks you develop the easier it is to think in a certain way and as a reminder thinking precedes emotion which precedes action and so it all starts in the thought and giving yourself the space to be patient with that change and continuing to practice and persist and repeat 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 then builds those networks and then all of a sudden it's like this slippery slide that makes it just so easy to stay in that kind of framework right yeah and what would you say the benefit of that has been well life is just better I, i'm more i'm happier more of the time i'm lighter i enjoy things more and i'm accomplishing more because i have more self-confidence and I would tell you right now that LL would never attempt an Ironman because <laughs> the story would be, you're not going to finish, you're going to fail. And that would just be worth a waste of time. And why put yourself out there and 
talk and you just, you know, so the stories that I would tell myself with LL would, would not even have allowed me to attempt this. So living a more full life, accomplishing more, doing more, having more fun, being happier. I mean, it's, it's like night and day. There's not one, one benefit. It's just yeah. a giant, one giant collection of benefits, I guess. Yeah. Well, and, and I can attest to that because I remember one day that we were sitting around, we were talking about your upcoming year. This would have been just before 2018. So like the end of 17, I guess. And you really wanted to take on a 70.3. And that's when LL was really running the show. And I just said, you're not ready. Yeah. You're not ready. You're not living in that place of positivity and or possibility enough to be able to challenge yourself to that kind of caliber. But man, did you make, you made tons of changes that year and that completely upped your playing ground and the playing field for you to then be able to take on something bigger. Right. I mean, had I would have done the 70.3 and, and then it, the story would have been how I suck and how I'm slow and how, uh, you know, I'm not ever going to get this. And it would just been a reason for me to bash myself. Yep. It would have just been a platform for me, another platform for me to use to be negative towards myself. Yep. See, I told you so. I suck. I can't do this. I'm never going to be able to do this. Yeah. And now I'm not going to lie. I have a lot of those moments still, but they're, they're a lot more fleeting and they, you know, I'm able to overcome them a lot quicker and replace them with more positive thoughts about, Hey, I'm out here doing this and I'm better than I was. And you know, the joys and the journey and all of those messages are a lot more common. They wouldn't have existed two years ago. And, and recognizing that these are now moments, they are not operating systems. Right. Right? That's, a, that's totally different. We can have moments, and it's in those moments that we actually have the opportunity to increase our strength to get out of them, but it's not the operating system. Right. Yeah. Really, really good stuff. I kind of relate it, like when I – especially when I first kind of started this process related to when you're driving and you're trying to tune in an, an AM radio station and you've just got all this static and every once in a while you catch a glimpse of the song that's on the station and then it kind of fades out and then for a little while and then it comes back in and you kind of get a glimpse and then it fades out and then eventually you get to a point where the signal is strong enough that you can tell what song it is and then you know, so now I'm kind of at a point where I hear the radio station 99% of the time. Every once in a while, I get the static, as opposed to just glimpses of the song within the static. So uh, the frequency in which I've I'm tuned to these days is very is a lot stronger. Yeah, that's a that's an awesome analogy. And piggybacking on that analogy, what's your song for this week? What's my song for this week? Well, I actually, I usually don't pick my song until we're done talking because I kind of try to match it to whatever we've talked about. But earlier this week, I, I heard a song come on the radio that I decided this is my song for the week just because I love it. I've loved it for a very long time and I hadn't heard it in a long time. And it came on right, be right before I was about to get in the pool and do a swim that have they've been challenging for me lately. So um, and it's by Kenny Loggins and it's called Conviction of the Heart. And I like the message 
not only in terms of just going out and living with conviction of your heart and living to your heart's desire and, and living life to the fullest on a personal level, but it's got a nice global message too, in terms of, of just being decent and kind and, and good to the planet and all kinds of good things. So it's just a really good song. Awesome. So we're going to go out today with this song, Kenny Loggins, Conviction of the Heart. On the other side of the song, we're going to hear about Kim's thorn, bud, and rose. So stay tuned, listen to the song, come back to us, and we'll deliver the thorn, bud, and rose. One is the earth, with the sky, one is everything in life.
So that was Kenny Loggins' Convictions of the Heart. Kim, let's finish up today as we're bringing everything to a close with your thorn, bud, and rose. What are those this week? My, my thorn, gosh, my thorn this week really still is challenges in my schedule because I am getting a lot of interruptions and having to go do some things for my mom that I – you know, I talked about triaging, you know, they are important and I do feel like I need to go help her do that, but it's creating some shifting in my schedule that's 
that's got me a little more tired because I'm getting up a little earlier than I'd like and a few things. So I would say schedule issues right now are still kind of my thorn, uh, uh, but uh, I'm still getting it all in. So it's a small thorn. <laughs> and I will say that this is a very common thorn for most Ironman athletes. The details might be different where they're getting, having to share their time, but especially at this point when you're at your biggest volume, it, it just, it's a stressor. Yeah, the time management thing is 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 a big a big issue. Yeah, race day compared to the training is a piece of cake. I'm gonna hold you. We're <laughs> <laughs> gonna play this back Monday. Yeah, we're gonna play this back while you're on the course. <laughs> it's a piece of cake, Kim. <laughs> As you go screaming past us on the bike. What would be your bud this week? My bud this week. What am I looking forward to? You know, I'm going to take a little different approach because in the past I've looked forward to things like rest and being done. But I, what I'm going to say is I'm looking forward to Sunday because I'm doing my longest run of the training season and I'm kind of excited to see how I do with it. And so, you know, at times I am really intrigued by, I know I'm getting better, but the question is how much and what can I actually accomplish? So um, I'm looking forward to going out and doing it and seeing what I can do. Yeah. As a reminder um, to Kim, but also just filling in the listeners, Kim also has a, a really big uh, ride on Sunday. So she's going to end up going into the run, um, not on fresh legs. And that's, that's by design. We want her to actually start the run uh, somewhat simulating the fatigue that she'll have on race day. So to compare this run specifically with some of the other runs might not be a fair comparison, but what we're really looking for is to see how her body and her mind hold up under, under the long conditions. And right. she also, this is an awesome opportunity for her to practice her nutrition because your body starts to do funky things when the day gets long. And so we can't always just count on the nutrition uh, responses or experiences that she gets from the shorter uh, workout sessions. That's why these long set. That's another reason these long sessions are really important. Great. Right. What is your uh, Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say when I when I say that, I don't necessarily mean what time am I going to finish in, but how I do in terms of getting through fifteen miles in my head and and doing the nutrition and doing all of that. I'm really curious to put it all together. Yeah. yeah. Great. And what would you say your rose is? What is it that you're celebrating? My road, and again, I'm going to go back to a small thing here. What I'm celebrating is I went out, I'm losing track of days now. It's Thursday, right? So I went out yesterday and it was just a short run. It was only 45, 50 minutes, um, but the intent was to go a little harder than I normally do. And um, I was super happy with, with my effort and my time. I I don't know if it's a PR. It's not a PR for one mile, but comes close. And so um, I was really excited about my workout yesterday. So something really small. Yeah. I know we've talked about this before too, but celebration with all the small steps are absolutely, absolutely valuable. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And celebrating just, it is peak training and, and, 
as my mind, my brain is really starting to kind of wane a little bit and, and wear out and I'm ready to get the race over and, and have some rest time. Yeah. So it's a really dangerous time to kind of lose focus. And so the fact that I have so far this week kept my focus and had really solid effort is, is worth celebrating. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. And thank you for being here with us. Thanks for bringing us to the inside of your world for, with the intention of, of helping others also go for their big change. So listeners, as we're wrapping up here, if you access the podcast today from my website at jillmsummers.com, please be sure to add your name and email on the right side of the page so you can automatically be notified on the next podcast. If you're listening to this from um, Apple Podcasts or from iTunes, uh, if you wouldn't mind taking just a moment to add a review, I would love that. That helps me uh, get the word out to more and more people. And that's the way the system works. The more reviews, the more stars we get, the more people get to hear our story. Thank you so much for being here with us. It's time to sign off for now. Have a fantastic week. And remember to always imagine the possibilities in your own life and keep moving to live and living to move. Thanks for being with us today. We invite you to join us on our mission to move people forward and upward. Go to jillmsummers.com. That's jillmsommers.com for more information and to listen to other inspiring podcasts. And remember to do one thing today that moves your life forward, which impacts others around you to do the same.